Well, you all wanted more of us. We're back again. And boy, we got a big show today here on Tinkle Sports Talk. Whew. We just read one of the articles we're going to talk about here. It, let me just put it this way it's juicy. It's juicy. <laughs> oh, it's real juicy, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, let me tell you something. If uh, you haven't read up on, on it, definitely, definitely check it out. Yep. Honestly, I was just talking to Brian about it before we started mm-hmm. recording, and it might just have to be a book that, even though I'm not a big pay, pay, uh, big Pats fan, mm-hmm. makes me kind of intrigued to find out well, about all their, all their sneaky little yeah. tricks that yeah. made them such a great dynasty and eventually winning six championships. Yep. And of course, we're going to talk about that in just a minute here, um, but of course... Um, coming up, we will talk about the new It's Better to Be Feared book written just, or just released this past week. We're going to talk about some announcer changes in the NFL, something that's really Mm -hmm. intriguing. We've also got our week three, or week four picks, as well as our week three recap. But we start off this long and winding show. Yes, it's going to be a long one, so brace yourselves. Um, We started off with MLB, of course. Today is the final day of the MLB season, game 162. What we know right now, the Yankees, the Mariners, the Red Sox, and the Blue Jays are all under a blanket right now. There is barely a game separating all these four teams for two wild cards. And if you know anything about baseball, there's no head-to-head tiebreakers to determine who gets into the playoffs. There's no um, points for, points against that determine it. There's no... The only thing that they use to determine it is a tiebreaker game. Game 163. So, before I ask you your thoughts on this, Jason, let me break it down. I just picked this up from a CBS Sports article. So after today, if two of these teams are tied for one of the wild cards, it's very straightforward. It's a one-game tiebreaker, game 163, with home field advantage going to the team with the better head-to-head record. Now let's assume that three teams tie for one wild card. A, B, and C are assigned as noted, or are assigned. Um, Team B versus Team A, or... It'll be winner uh, Team A versus Team B with the uh, winner going against Team C with the bid at stake. So basically a round robin. And then, of course, um, if, if all four teams tie, um, it'll be Team A versus Team B, Team C versus Team D. The winner of those two, game, two games will meet in the AL wildcard game. Hmm, really? Yes. Interesting. <laughs> so, if, then, of course, if three teams tie for both wild cards, kind of the same. Um, team B at Team A, winner gets the wild card. T- and then there will be a game two, which the loser will play Team C, and that team will pl- the team that wins that game will get the remaining wild card. I know, I just fact-bombed you all <laughs> in the first five minutes of this show. Wow. Hey, Brian, I'm going to cut you off a little bit there. Doesn't this not kind of remind you of something that is happen- that happens in another sport? 
something that I've criticized a lot, the NBA. Yes, yes. But, but, because this is exactly what but, it reminds me of a but, little bit. But let's clarify this, okay? But the only difference is is that all four of these teams have winning records. No, 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 no. Here's the difference. This is a tiebreaker game, okay? Yeah, this is the I difference. Guess that is true. Okay, these teams in in the NBA, chances are one's below five hundred. The other three are, the other two are average, and possibly the fourth team is above 500. Right. You know, there's differing records there. This is a full-on tiebreaker. So, that's sort of the difference here. And I guess now we start off by saying, will we see remotely a game 163, 164? Is that going to be possible after this afternoon? Um, yeah, I I think so. I think there's going to be some more games being played before the wild card begins. Um, all four teams are really good. I mean, Yankees are the Yankees. Yeah. I mean, we, we've stated it many times before. Um, Blue Jays are very much making Toronto Blue and Jays. Buffalo proud. Keep in mind, the uh, Blue Jays play Baltimore, the worst team in the league right now. Compare that to Tampa Bay, the AL East champions, playing the New York Yankees. Compare that to Boston playing the Nationals. Okay. So, I, it's, it, it kind of just sounds like the Blue Jays have the better chance, if anything. Yeah. Oh, oh, who are the Mariners playing here? They're playing the Angels. So... So the edges again, like I said, pretty much the edges to Toronto. Toronto's it's Toronto's wild card to lose here. Let me put it that way: it's their wild card to lose. And should I note? Let me pull up the standings here on my screen so that way I have them. Toronto is one game out. They need the Yankees hmm. to lose, which is possible. Because keep in mind they play Toronto or they play Tampa Bay tomorrow. It is possible that after today, because New York lost twelve to two earlier today, it's possible that could happen again. It is uh, Michael Watcha versus Jamison Talon tomorrow on the mound for Tampa Bay versus mm. New York. So no first pitchers here. However, this could go in the Red Sox direction, too, because Chris Sale will be on the mound, and Chris Sale, a former Cy Young winner, to my knowledge. Um, really, I mean, I'm not even going to mention Toronto versus Baltimore, because, come on, I mean, do, do we really got to compare pitchers there? <laughs> so... Again, I think we're both in agreement here. Tampa, this is Toronto's to lose. I mean, yeah, but if there's anything that, you know, <laughs> even though we could say that it could be Toronto's to lose, somehow, like, something makes me feel like that, like the total opposite is going to happen because yeah. that's totally what happens in sports. Let's see, now if Toronto and Seattle lose. This could all be decided, okay? 
Here's the thing. Mm-hmm. They both, let's see, they're both one and one and a half games back. They both got a win tomorrow. Okay, now if they both lose, it doesn't matter. It's going to be the Red Sox and the Yankees battling for the wild card. Right. But, you know, this is a tough one. I mean, the, the AL, here's the thing, the NL has already been decided. Dodgers are up 14 games in the National League wild card over the St. Louis Cardinals, who are the second wild card. Mm-hmm. You know, who are eight games above the Cincinnati Reds and basically locked in. So the NL's already been long decided. You know, so ultimately it's really just the AL that's up in the air. Yep, the AL is the only one up in the air at this point. And this is going to be an interesting... Here's the thing, I know it's Football Sunday, but this is going to be the most interesting Baseball Sunday I think we've seen in a really long time. So, while you're watching your football games out there, people, I would keep a very sharp eye on what's going on in baseball because we may be witnessing something uncharacteristic today right i mean something totally wild so i'm excited for that but let's move forward here um i think we both got our predictions out of the way um sports illustrated broke a big story this week and it involves the commentary teams at nbc and the future commentary team at amazon for next season Al Michaels is rumored. Mm. Al Michaels, keep in mind, Al Michaels has called more Super Bowls than Pat Summerall at this point. He is called probably the most of any play-by-play announcer. He's called the Miracle on Ice, to my knowledge. He's called so many big, big events as a vast resume. He is reportedly being let go by NBC at the conclusion of this season to make room for his predecessor, which was expected to happen, but not this soon. Uh, Mike Tirico is expected to be the new voice of Sunday Night Football, effective next season. Um, with mm-hmm. Al Michaels going to Amazon to be the new voice of Thursday Night Football. Um, Jason, what are your thoughts here? Right. Um, I guess I'm okay with it, only because Mike Tirico was already kind of there in the presence of the commentary booth with Chris Collinsworth. So it was all too much. It all makes so much sense for Mike Tirico to take over Al Michaels' job. But the thing is, like, I was also so confused of, like, what was Mike Tirico's actual, like, position in NBC. Because he was, you know, he, he was would really be behind the, the scenes. Costas. Then he would be in the booth. Then he would be on the field. Like, it's so confusing of, like, what he would actually be doing as a commentator. And now to see that he's just going to be in a in the in the booth with Chris Collinsworth. Like I mean Yeah, you know, I know it's not gonna it's gonna take a while for me to get used to, you know, Mike Tariq. And I think we lost connection there. It looks like we did lose connection folks, so let's take an anchor break. We'll come back to the story in just a moment here. Um, 
so we're going to just take our anchor break right now while we figure this whole internet thing out. Welcome back, my apologies, guys. <laughs> my dad decided it was a great time to mess with the internet and decided to reset the router, which is why we lost Jason for a bit there. Yeah. So we'll pick up right where we left off. What are your thoughts here on Mike Tarico taking Al Michaels' job and Al Michaels going to Amazon? Okay, so <laughs> let me try to see if I can remember exactly what I was saying. Um, I was what I said before that happened it was that i guess it all made a hell of a lot of sense for mike Tarico to take over for al michaels as he was already uh you know taking over for him uh, you know a few games out of the week or out of the year um taking over for al michaels because sometimes they would be like mike Tarico with al michaels and chris collins were in a booth together or sometimes they would be like one of one or two you of them on site right like well because technically like yeah but he would also wouldn't he technically be in a booth as well I there mean, too not calling the game but he would be the on-site host like kind of like what jack collinsworth is doing right now yeah, but Jack Collinsworth would also like be on the on the sidelines or somewhere in like the stands. Yeah, and also like talk about like who he thinks is gonna win the game, and then you wouldn't even see him for the rest yeah, of like here's that the afternoon at all. But like I was saying before, um, Al Michaels is getting to that kind of age where I think that he is only gonna have a few more years. But then again, he kind of comes off as a guy that might do it till he can't do it anymore. Um, and I also said that it wouldn't shock me if it ends up being like a Mike Tarico and then eventually Chris getting over, um, getting, um, succeeded by his son. Cause I think you Jack mean, wants to follow yeah. his footsteps, foot, follow his father's See, footsteps and being but, a commentator. But I don't think he's going to be the color analyst. He never played football. That would probably be Drew Brees is everything I've heard. So oh, well. Tariko and Breeze, which would make a good pairing. But can I just point this out real quick as I kind of dive in now? Um, so let's look at first take since Max Kellerman left. First take's r ratings have plummeted, plummeted since they got rid Ever of Max, since Max Kellerman. Kellerman? Yeah. Really? Ever since Kellerman left, the ratings have plummeted. So. These kinds of experiments are tough to play with, especially when Sunday Night Football is the most most watched primetime show on TV. Hmm. So this is a big, big gamble. This is like a James Holzhauer all-in type gamble. Okay. Um, and keep in mind, Al Michaels, we can say he's 77 years old. He's still at the top of his game for someone that's 77 years old. He still calls an incredible game despite having lack of, uh, despite having a lack of an IQ next to him in the booth. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, so, but needless to say, this team has done very well. I, I, you know, you're saying nothing. I've always liked Tariko, and my my thoughts on, on him have never changed. They've never wavered. Keep in mind, he is a Syracuse guy. He's a Syracuse alumni. 
should I note. So, he knows the area pretty well up here. Um, but I'm happy for Tariko. He's, just, you know, Sunday. he was on Monday Night Football. He was the commentator with John Gruden for years. He's been ready for this job. However, it should have gone out on Al Michaels' terms, not on NBC's terms. Right. Okay. It should have been like Al Michaels had to retire before Mike Tirico was to yeah. take over his position. Not just, oh, well, you know, I think it's the right time to do it because we feel like it's right, not him. See, and it's kind of and, a low blow. And here's the other issue that I, that I take offense with here. Al Michaels was offered a chance to get traded back to ESPN not even a year ago before uh, Steve Levy took over as the play-by-play uh, -play announcer for Monday Night Football. It could have very well been Al Michaels, um, Louis Riddick, and, uh, oh my gosh, who's the other guy? Uh, Bob Greasy there. It could have very well been those three guys calling Monday Night Football. Which right could now. have made it a little bit better to watch than it is yeah. right now. But let's, but let's face it now, everyone watches the Mannings, okay? <laughs> they watch they watch Eli do the double bird at this point. But they'd rather watch that than watch uh, Marv Levy call a football game, even though he's done a good job. Or, I'm sorry, Steve Levy. I did that again. But, you know, <laughs> at the end of the day, though... Al Michaels, with this huge resume, with the huge football resume nonetheless, he should have been able to go out on his terms and not on his uh, executive's terms, especially seeing right. how the ratings have been. Okay, to me, to me, he ran, he had all the cards. Okay, it's like it's like having a flush in hand and then being told, "Get the fuck out! You're you're out of here!" Okay, you're banned. <laughs> No explanation, right. <laughs> just get the fuck out. Okay, you're done. <laughs> just pack up your bags and yep. then just it's head like, on to the first flight out of here. <laughs> yep, yep. That's basically what it's like. And keep in mind, Mike Tirico was initially brought in to replace Bob Costas, who huh. was anti-football at the time. Keep in mind, Bob Costas is very anti-football. He hates football. He was forced to call it by the executives at NBC, but he hated it for the fact of the brain injuries that it caused. You can look it up if you don't believe me. It's There's articles on it. Um, oh. That's actually why he got pulled from his last Super Bowl appearance. But, man. Can I just say that I miss Liam McHugh? I wish he was back at NBC calling football. Um, in the in the studio, I mean. Oh. But anyway, let's move on here. I think we I got. About to say, again, I don't even know who that is, but he's, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> he's Liam McHugh is that younger guy that called football last year when Mike Tirico was in the booth. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Um. But anyway, let's move on here. Um. There's a new book being published. Actually, it was just published. It's on Amazon right now. You guys can buy it. Um, it is called It Is Better to Be Feared by an ESPN, uh, an ESPN writer wrote this book. Um, keep in mind, it kind of goes off the article of the power struggle the other year 
and it dives more deeply into the troubles of the Patriots dynasty. Um, and based on what we know, I guess, can we now automatically assume that these tensions were real and deep, or is this blown out of proportions? And before I let you answer, let me just read off some of the excerpts here. Bill O'Brien purposely tried to sabotage his job with the Houston Texans. So now, did he just make himself look stupid? Okay, <laughs> is that the real question here? Did Bill O'Brien just make himself intentionally look like the dumbest coach in the world to lose his job? Um, you know, then Robert Kraft on his way to Detroit said that Bill Belichick is the biggest fucking asshole in his life right now. <laughs> and that he is an idiot seventh. Um, Tom Brady um, took team-friendly deals, had no input on how the money was spent, much like Aaron Rodgers' situation right now. Um, but obviously Aaron Rodgers not taking pay cuts, clearly. Um, and then, of course, he said to close friends that he did not want to play for Belichick anymore back in 2017. Um, Bill Belichick then divided the locker room to start the 2016 season by endorsing then-candidate Donald Trump in the 2016 election, which divided the locker room. Um, Malcolm Butler then, in the Super Bowl against the Eagles, got in a rift with Matt Patricia, who was, by the way, outgoing to Detroit. It was not known then, but they knew it. Um, so they butted heads prior to the Eagles Super Bowl, which led to his benching and eventually led to his release because he kept bad-mouthing the organization after the Super Bowl loss. Um, so now, again, I ask, based on what we know, can we automatically assume that these tensions are as dramatic and as real as they are made out to be, or is this so blown out of proportion that this guy's just looking for an easy book sale. Um, no, I think it was definitely serious uh, tension between those three. Because, you, you know, you read all about it. From what I'm hearing, Belichick does sound like the biggest, you know, asshole out there. Was trying any way he could to, you know... Like, there was even an excerpt in there. We didn't have it written down. But there was also one that I read up that said that Belichick and Goodell came up together in meetings or on a plane and went over rule changes, which, how how other way, you know, can you explain that he just found any kind of loophole in the rules? Hmm. You know, if, if he didn't know already about, like, some of these rule changes, he wouldn't have known about, you know, he would have definitely have known about loopholes, hence why there was all those, you know, times where he could get away with yeah. um, all those, you know, gates, like the flake gate and buy gate and, um, you know, all these rule changes, he would just find loopholes in, and hence why, you know, the dynasty was a lot bigger than... It probably could have been. And if it wasn't for any, you know, him knowing any of those rule changes, I'm pretty sure that the, the Pats wouldn't have been the big old dynasty they were. You know, a lot of it could be like, well, 
Was it mostly Brady? Was it Belichick? Was it Kraft? Was it all three? I think it's a little bit of all three because Belichick had to know a lot of the rules to make you know, the team good. Brady was just a brilliant player, but how much of it was, you know, you know, it, it, it's tough to tell because, you know, last year Brady definitely, you know, took a very, you know, underwhelming Tampa team the last couple of years. And then took him to the Super Bowl and won. But then, how much of what with Brady knowing what he has learned in his time in Tampa Bay or in um, New England, how much did he use that to also help out, you know, Tampa Bay too? And then Kraft is just Robert Kraft. I mean, he's an old senile old man that just um, will do whatever he can to, you know, make that franchise. You know, feared. No pun intended. You know, because, you know, I hate to say it, for that long a time, they were literally winning the division every single year, except for one year where Brady was hurt. But other than that, like, they were just running rampant of the AFC East. And then you, you, you question now, after hearing these excerpts, how much of that was just like, they were trying any other way they could, it, even if it mean they had to bend the rules, they had to, to cheat a little bit to get there. How much of that was this like? They had to do everything they ca could just to, you know, beat the juggernauts. And I hate to say it, if Brady, or actually, I will say this now. If you think about it, if it wasn't for Drew Bree or Drew Bledsoe, Getting hurt, like over twenty plus years ago, there would be no Tom Brady right now. There there'd, really wouldn't be. There'd be no. It's better to be feared. Book is more like it. Well, there too. Oh, and also this. I heard about this too. This is not in a book, but uh, heading into the two thousand season. I don't know if you um, saw this, but he was a four-string quarterback heading into the season. The reason why Belichick didn't release him onto, like, free agency is because he saw something in Tom Brady and that he was too, fa fa you know, too valuable to lose. Hmm. Could you imagine if he did get cut, went to a different team, and made, you know, a different team a juggernaut? Like, that just would have made things... In the ASC East, it would have made everything just totally different, honestly. But here's the thing. Can I just ask, can I, I just want to throw this out there because obviously, here's the thing. Tom Brady wouldn't be Tom Brady without Bill Belichick. Well, Th yeah, throughout, sure. Throughout his first like 17, 18 years. Okay. There's no way Tom Brady would have been anywhere close or even remotely near what this Tom Brady is today if it wasn't for Bill Belichick. He owes Bill mm -hmm. Belichick a good chunk of his life. Okay. But I will say, going back to the article a few years ago on the power struggle in New England, this is not a surprise that we now have a book out about this. And in a world now where we have fake news, we have... Um, alternative facts 
Um, yeah. I don't want to dive into the politics of it, but I will just say we live in a world now where there are alternative facts, and there are stories that people will not believe if it's on mainstream media. So, you know, it's hard to tell if this story is blown out of proportion for that reason. But I will say that I think without a doubt, and I'm not going to talk about if Belichick was right or wrong on endorsing Donald Trump, um, but I will say I could see how that would divide a locker room because of Donald Trump's demeanor. Um, so, again, I could see based on that rhetoric why this would divide a locker room. But it looks like they pulled it together enough to get to the Super Bowl. And, you know... Eventually lose. Say, yeah, eventually <laughs> lose. But I will say this. Um, it's no, Did Adam Schefter know something just a few... And just waited till Brady's contract year to say it? That's another thing. Because Adam Schefter was on many ESPN shows leading up to the 2019 season saying Tom Brady will not return to New England and dropping bombs saying he sold his house in New England. He's talking with LA and with my team and with the Buccaneers. Okay, did he know something in advance and kind of just keep his trap shut? You know... What role does he have in this book? That's one question I have. Now, I do want to read this book, obviously, just for the sake of knowing more about what happened in this dynasty. But based on all the excerpts, a lot of this just comes as a shock. I mean, now I question, is Bill O'Brien a smarter coach than we gave him credit for? Is the uh, first question. You might, but... Then again, like, you also, like, yeah, you read about it, and, like, he might have been a smarter guy than we thought about, but then again, yeah. he might also be stupid as all hell, because why would you throw away... And But the, the thing is about it is, there was also a thing about him and the GM of the Texans were also, you know, not seeing eye yeah. and eye. Of course, it eventually led to Bill O'Brien being the GM and the head coach of the Houston yeah. Texans. But why would you throw away being a GM and a head coach? I know he wasn't that great. At he was it. fired. But like, well, I mean, yeah, that's true. He did get fired. But why would you have like thrown away? Like, I mean, he he, he honestly took the Texans to the playoffs like just about every year that he coached, except for um. You know, except for the, I think before, except for the year that he got fired, which was what last year. Yeah, but but did he purposely throw it? Is the big question. Did he purposely throw it, just for the sake of we can, you know, if I get fired, I can go back to New England, or maybe I can go to Alabama, which he did, by the way. He went to Alabama, and now. You know, eventually get a reset on his career. But again, you know, there's so many fishy things in the excerpts mm -hmm. that we read. And obviously, we've only got the spark notes of it. But I will say that I don't think much of this is blown out of proportion. But it definitely leaves you wanting to read more about this. 
What I also found interesting was the, about the like the Mike Shanahan stuff. Yeah. Because I'm... like, oh well, you know, Bill Belichick seems to be a genius because I couldn't have thought about that beforehand. Yeah. Well, the thing is, Mike, you didn't have to because when you won back-to-back Super Bowls, you had John Elway as your quarterback. Why would you have needed mm-hmm. to cheat when you already had a dynasty of a team? Yeah. You know, back-to-back years, like. It just, I mean, it could very well, a lot of it could be played, you know, out of proportion, but it, it's definitely something where you want to read and, you know, yeah. think if it is for yourself or not. So, Here's the thing. I think it's an interesting read, that, you know, for any sports, you know, well, let alone any sports or any football fan, I think it would definitely be an interesting read. I mean, if you're especially for a guy that's though. not a big reader at all. This is something that probably yeah. would keep me glued and not want to move away from the book until I went I, go from page one to page, the last page of the book. Can I so. just point out, I've had this sitting on my desk for like almost a year now, and I still haven't <laughs> read it. That should tell you how much I actually read. But I, I just want to say I, I'm considering this, honestly, just on the fact of, you know, I want to hear more about this, and again, going off of, you know, all I can say is just wow right now based on all this, Um, but I will say about the uh, Spygate, now that I remember what I was going to say, with Spygate, it may not have been a rule per se at the time. But there are unwritten rules, there are morals that should be followed. And it shows that Bill Belichick is an immoral coach on that standpoint. And to read also that Roger Goodell supposedly had a really good relationship with the New England Patriots compared to other franchises, this is a big conflict of interest too on Roger Goodell. Okay. Um, because now this could this could really get him okay. underwater because and, of the, all that is coming yeah. out now. And should I point out too, Sean Payton was suspended a full year for the uh, Bounty Gate, right? That is Sean true. Payton and a handful of coaches received big suspensions for that Bounty Gate. And that tarnished the it tarnished the New Orleans Saints for at least two, three, four years. They were irrelevant. Okay. Oh, I know. For at least two, three, four years, they were irrelevant. We I wasn't sure if Sean Payton was going to remain the New Orleans head coach at the end of this. Why wasn't this same punishment handed down to Bill Belichick? Okay. At the end of the day, I mean, Deflate Gate, he should have been suspended eight games for Deflate Gate, you know, regardless of his part in it. Because, again, we don't know what part Sean Payton had in this uh, Bounty Gate. Okay, to my knowledge, I don't think he any any part in this. This happened behind the scenes from him, even. Mm-hmm. I'll read up on it to be sure. I was going to do that during the tinkle break, but we uh, had a little glitch that kind of moved that up. But, you know, at the end of the day, with that, 
with Spygate. Spygate should have gotten Bill Belichick suspended a season. Okay. Right. Plain and simple. Um, Bill Belichick should have been suspended for one year. Just on that. And frankly, Robert Kraft should have been... He should have been fined a hefty amount. Draft picks should have been lost for at least a couple years. You know, a couple first-rounders lost for two years. Because that's a big deal. Okay? That is a huge deal. Um... So, that's my points I want to make there. Um, I, I, I will say, though, it wouldn't shock me, though, if some of this is blown out of proportion. This is just an angry writer. Um, but to me, though, based on what I've read thus far um, about the power struggle, the power struggle article a few years ago, the excerpts of this book, something doesn't, something as far as this dynasty doesn't quite add up as far as you know did they have tension did they not but we'll see there'll always be the unanswered question right there yep so anyway let's get on to our week three nfl recap now um, I think I started it off last week, so maybe this week we'll let Jason start it off with his... We're going to do three this week just because we kind of took a while on that uh, Belichick in uh, New England story here. Right. Um, I'm probably going to turn it, change it around. Or not really change it around, but like kind of like, like in the order of things. Yeah, um, yeah. So I really do think that... Jamar Chase has been nothing but amazing as a rookie receiver this season. Joe Burrow is really in a resurgence as a quarterback. Like this is like almost like the Joe Burrow from LSU playing. And who better to have than his former top receiver in Jamar Chase? Jamar Chase is I, I don't think he I don't know if he's leading in touchdowns for rece- for rookie receivers or not, but he's pretty close there. And honestly, the way that he's been playing and the way he's been going this year, if he can pull that off for the whole entire season, I just think that he might be the best rookie receiver since Randy Moss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he might not have the touchdowns that Randy Moss had his rookie year. Of course, that was also a different time, and he was just a hell of a, be- a lot different player than Jamar Chase's. But... If Jamar Chase was to be able to have the touchdowns along with the yards, don't be shocked if Jamar Chase ends up being a pro bowler in his very first season. And it's tough, and it's really tough to say that, you know, to do that for, especially, you know, the Bengals. The Bengals have been pretty trash for a couple of years. To see them 3-1, and one, I'm like, all right, you know, this is a Bengals team we haven't seen in quite some time. You know, probably since um, Ocho Cinco and Carson Palmer years. Hmm. Actually, you know, I can't even say that. Dal- the probably the Dalton and the AJ Green years. We haven't really seen. Oh yeah, the Bengals being good since Dalton and AJ Green. You're saying so, can we go as far to say that Jamar Chase is currently the best rookie out of the 32 that were drafted in the first round? Yeah, of course. I think so. 
And can I also uh, just say that Asante Samuel Jr. is also in that top five, but I'll let you continue. Yes. I mean, you're probably right. He definitely is. So, Jamar Chase is definitely up there. Um, I just think that, like I said, with the way that he's going, it, it, I mean, I know it's still early, you know, three weeks into the season uh, with um, 14 more weeks to be played. It's just, you know, is it too t- early to tell? Honestly, I don't think so. I, I honestly, like, he wouldn't have already, you know, had those kind of games if it wasn't, you know, real. And just the speed and the athleticism is definitely there for him. And then having Joe Burrow on the top of his game after being out, you know, all of, basically all of last year definitely shows that I think the LSU connection is definitely going to be strong for years mm-hmm. to come in Cincinnati. Um, I'm probably going to go with this one next. I just don't think the Washington football defense football team defense isn't what others are saying it is. Everybody's saying, oh, well, Washington has the greatest defense. Um, they have four former, four former first-round picks as their front four. Yeah, it's all fine and dandy, but if if they can't get the sacks, if they can't, you know, brutalize opposing offenses, then I, I'm sorry, the Washington football team just ain't what, you know, it's cut out to be. It just wasn't there at all couldn't get any pressure onto um buffalo of course the question the answer could you know the question could be well how much of that was just you know buffalo's offensive line holding up against a good washington football team defense yeah that's cool and all but if you look at it they weren't really able to hold up against the steelers defense steelers defense you know of course you know they have tj watt they have um the guys that they have on that defense. And then if you look at um, Washington, they have Chase Young, they have Montez Wet, they have, you know, a bunch of other guys on that defensive front. They just couldn't get to Josh Allen at all. And then this also leads to my last point. Yes, it was only one week, but man, did Josh Allen look like the player he was from last year in that game against a supposed top defense. In Washington. I think this puts Josh Allen in the MVP discussion once again. I still think it's a little too early because it was only one game out of, you know, a long season. Now, if he can do put up those numbers against, like, you know, against a really top, like, top teams, and of course I'll bring up, te- like, if they can do that against, like, you know, Tampa Bay or... You know, Kansas City, Tennessee, you know. I, I, I will say Buffalo has an easier schedule this year than they did last year. But I said it last week, and I'm going to say it again this week. Buffalo's defense has been the most consistent this year than they were last year. And I will say, you know, you were saying about Asante Samuel Jr. I'm going to say it about Gregory Rosa. I think he has been a very impactful defensive end for the Bills, and so has A.J. Epinesa. A.J. Epinesa this year looks like he's been a pro for like 10, 15 years. Yeah. Um, 
I think this Buffalo Bills team is hungrier than they were last year. They're also giving up a lot less points this year than they were last year already. Apparently, I saw on um, ESPN, they're giving up eight less points than they did last year, which means that when they were focusing on defense after that tough loss to Kansas City last year, means that they did their job. And I will say, Mm -hmm. I've been trusting this process for the last, what, five years now? And honestly, I think it's, I think it's worth it because Brandon Bean and uh, Sean McDermott, their scout, their, their scouts that they have put together on that team, I, I think are probably top in the NFL. You know, every time oh, yeah. I think this is probably going to be, you know, not an impactful player, or who the heck is this guy? Like, or is he really going to, you know, come into this team and really make an impact? Honestly, of all the draft picks that we have honestly accumulated over the years with this um, team and the GM, honestly, they've come in and they've just been very impactful players, you know, Mm -hmm. from Matt Milano, Tredavious White, um, Tremaine Edmonds, to Gregory Rosso, AJ Epinesa, you know, to to, uh, like a Josh Allen, to a Devin Singletary. You look at that and like, wow. Most of that team that they've put together are draft picks. Just let that sell in. Just yeah. let that sell in. Oh yeah. Then all right. Um, that, that's that's my takeaways of yeah. week three. So, I, I I'm gonna try to just start this off with uh, Matt Stafford and the Rams here. Can I just say that they are going to have a say in this NFC Championship? Okay. They are currently oh, come on now. Definitely. <laughs> outside outside of Tampa Bay, they are the second best team in the NFC. Now I would go as far to say Green Bay right now, but look at who Green Bay has played the last two weeks. Okay, can we really judge them yet? Um I still Probably think not. it's till I, I still think it's too soon to really get a good gauge on what Green Bay is gonna be able to do. So with that mm-hmm. said, it's going to come down to Matt Stafford and the Rams versus Tom Brady and the Bucks. I don't think there's any doubts here about it. Um, and that's regardless of if Gronk still misses time. Because keep in mind, Gronk is out with rib injuries right now. Um, but I think that's regardless. Right. I, I think that's a safe bet. I wouldn't even be shocked if uh, L.A. takes down Tom Brady in the box. I mean, they've okay. already done it before. They could honestly do it again. Plus, yep. this Rams team, don't be shocked. They're only just beginning. Yeah. I think they're going to get better as the weeks go by. Exactly. They could be they could be the team that puts up the most point like ha- like average you the know. most points of any team oh, in yeah. the NFL, which is tough to, to do mm-hmm. because I think the last team that did that to my knowledge, I think it was Philadelphia when it was their Super Bowl run. And, and here's the thing. NFC, the NFC is building dynasties in all the right places right now. Okay, Tom Brady in Tampa Bay with Bruce Arians as the head coach. Mm. Bruce Arians, one of the greatest offensive minds in all of football, should I note. Um, then, of course, you got Matt Stafford in L.A. with Sean McVay who has built an incredible culture over there with the Rams and right. built such a great system over there. Um, 
Imagine now if uh, Seattle got rid of Pete Carroll, what they could build, oh and they hired and they hired someone who could build a culture there. I mean, just imagine it. It could be great. Okay, just That's, imagine. I'm just gonna say this now. Just imagine if the Seattle Seahawks had like a, I don't know, like a Sean McVay, a, like a, a, a Sean BNME. McDermott type of coach a in that system. Oh, dude, they would be speed. Yeah. They would they their whole culture and their whole team in itself yeah. would just be ten times better than it is right now. Okay. But now my second point is here, and actually I'm gonna pose a question to the viewers and to you. Is Mitchell Trubisky just smarter than we all made him out to be the last four years? Okay, is he really a smarter quarterback than we made him out to be? Cause I I think so, because he took that terrible Matt Nagy um, offense to like couple playoff appearances, and last even last year, last year he took the Bears to a wild card team yeah. and a team that probably shouldn't have even made the playoffs in general. Like, oh yeah, Mitchell Trubisky. I think is a lot smarter and a lot better than people yeah. give him credit for. I will say that now. Here's the thing. Everybody said for four years this kid could not read an offense. They said he could not read a defense. They they basically made him out like the guy had the guy straight up just dropped out of thin air, never learned to read, didn't learn to do anything, just dropped in and said, I come to play quarterback. <laughs> like, come on. I mean, look at what, uh, honestly, I, I'm not even going to look at the rankings. I don't even think you have to look at the rankings right now to realize that the Bears have the worst offense in all of football right now. Okay. Um, oh, yeah. And, you know, a lot of it, you're saying, I, I don't think much of it can be blamed on Justin Fields. I mean, I, I know I said Justin Fields was a bust to begin with. And I'm standing by that statement that he's going to be a bust. Oh, yeah, but, he definitely is going to be a bust because look at that week he had against uh, yeah. the Browns. But, First off, he got sacked like crazy one. Yeah. But if you see his completion percentage, his completion percentage was like probably the worst among rookie quarterbacks yep. all that week. Oh, yeah. But no, I, I made that statement based on the fact of where he went to college. Okay, I didn't need True. to... I didn't need to see anything else to base it on. Um, I, I still stand by that statement. And to be honest, I, there's no doubt that if Matt Nagy doesn't get fired after this year, then, you know, they're going to be a basement dweller. In fact, I think they'll be more of a basement dweller than the uh, Detroit Lions will be. I would go as far to say that, and I think, like I said, this proves that Trubisky was not the issue over there. Because, nope. you know, if Trubisky could lead that offense to a playoffs and he leaves and now they can't even get out of their own way, this says a lot about them. Um, then... and, and if you think about Mitchell Trubisky, now he's learning under mm -hmm. Josh Allen, who has yeah. really changed around his, you know, luck as a late yeah if Mitchell Trubisky can learn under that system but, under Brian Dable 
become that kind of quarterback, watch out because yeah. and he might be a hot commodity heading after the season because yeah. he's only on a one-year deal. Not the, he might be a hot free agent heading into the yeah. next season, the off season. Who and, knows? And need I mention too? Not that I wish for it, but let's just assume Josh Allen gets obliterated this week. Okay, let's just put that out there. Let's say Josh Allen gets obliterated. He gets put on IR, probably designated to return. So now you're stuck with Trubisky for three to six weeks. And let's just say he goes out there and just shines. I mean, he puts on a clinic those three mm-hmm. to six weeks. Now, obviously, he's not going to take Josh Allen's job. They know he's well, the clearly not. But <laughs> now you talk about, man, did we underestimate Mitchell Trubisky or what? And the Giants are going to be sitting there saying, man, did we really just trade away? Do we really just trade down a pick to lose him? But can I also just say this? Could this potentially prove that Daniel Jones might just be smarter than he's showing right now? Because now we got to keep posing that question. And I think Mitchell Trubisky has opened up that argument now that some of these quarterbacks that are on weaker teams with not so good offensive minds, you know, are they as good? Are they as bad as they're made out to be? You know, could we be talking about Trevor Lawrence like this in a year or two? Could we be talking about, um, you know, Zach Wilson? I mean, we can even we can even make that argument right now about Sam Darnold, because look at what Sam Darnold's doing in Carolina. Oh, that's true too. Okay, yeah. I'm just saying, we he, Mitchell, Mitchell Trubisky has now opened that door. He hasn't even stepped on the field yet this season, and that door is now open for a debate. Now, is this also a question to say that he just might be one of the better backups yeah. right in the NFL right now because of that, you know Yeah. Of that coming out like the... you know, he, he might be mm-hmm. just one of those backups where like you know like if if there was a situation that, like, your starting quarterback yeah. somehow struggles, somehow, you know, gets hurt, and he comes in the game, your head coach would be like, you know, yep. he kind of took a bat, a crappy offense to the playoffs yeah. a couple of times. I think I feel confident that he can yeah. go out there with a, even bet, with a really good offense and do even better with that, you know, yep. type of thing. So and might, me, might we owe an apology to Colin Cowherd? I'm not going to discuss that. I plead the fifth. Anyway, let's <laughs> let's let's move forward here. The chief, uh, and now I'm going to bring up the Kansas City Chiefs. Can I just first off say woo about that win? Um, but anyway, I'm going to make this very clear. Okay, I can't make it any clearer than this. You can pick up Josh Gordon. You could pick up Larry Fitzgerald tomorrow. But one thing's going to remain the same, Kansas City. You don't run the AFC anymore. You can relinquish that title in week number three. Okay. You have officially castrated yourselves out of the first... Okay. I'm sorry. I'm going to get canceled for this statement. But you can officially just castrate yourself to the Buffalo Bills and the Cleveland Browns because they now run the AFC. 
Okay. You know, and you can it, say it's funny you say this because watch like that, that, that be, is a terrible. You know, it, terrible you know what tour. would it be? You know what's going to now happen? Watch them just go on a tear, and then your statement just like look, make you look like you're just like nope. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, biggest I, dumbass ever. <laughs> let me let me just explain it. Okay, week one. Assume that the punt wasn't botched by Cleveland. Because there's a chance there Cleveland would have won that game. Right. Okay. True. Week two, okay, they got taken to the clock by Baltimore, and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire fumbled. And don't say, you know, well, Mahomes was going to lead a comeback. Okay. Um, ignore that for just a second. Because, you know, he may very well have, but did he? No. No. Okay. Not. Same thing was said about the Chargers game. I saw some pretty salty Chiefs fans that say the Chargers didn't beat the Chiefs. The Chiefs beat themselves. Really? Um, you know, and then they're saying, oh, well, Mahomes was going to lead touchdown drives, those turnovers, you know, those drives he led turnovers. Um, whether it was Hilaire fumbling, Hill fumbling, uh, Mahomes' two picks. Um, let me just state again. Let me just pose the question again. Did he lead a scoring drive any of those turnover drives? No. That's what I thought. And so, um, I'm just going to say drop it, Chiefs fans, okay? Just accept the fact that you are no longer the team to beat in the AFC. And quite frankly, the way Mahomes played in that fourth quarter... I mean, he was running for his life again, just like he was in the Super Bowl. Okay, right. teams have figured him out. Okay, let me put it this way: if every team can box him in and make him have to throw a wild throw, then guess what? Chiefs will be lucky to get out of second place in the division. I I think they're going to win the division. Still, I I just want to clarify. I still think they're going to win the division. Will they win the number one seed? Probably not. Will they make the AFC championship? We'll see. Um, but I'm um, telling that's you, a, that's still going to be a very good. Uh, but I'm telling you, question you take ask. you take away home advantage from them. I think you've got them, and I think that's a very real possibility just based on how Buffalo and Cleveland have been playing. Um, and you may say, oh, the Browns right. are undefeated. the Or, I'm sorry, the Raiders are undefeated. The Broncos are undefeated. Don't give me that. They both had, you know, um, like I said, we know the Raiders are going to melt down. It's a matter of time. Right. They're a ticking time bomb every year. Then on top of it, the Broncos have had the most Mickey Mouse season of any Mickey Mouse season there ever has been. Okay, <laughs> we true. we mocked we mocked the Steelers last year for being the the worst eleven and O team. Broncos just said, "Hold my beer" on that. Okay, they just called "Hold my beer." So again, the only thing that they have going for themselves is a really good defense. Yeah, that's about it. Exactly. Which, frankly, Bradley Chubb still can't stay healthy. But you know. Um, that's all right they don't need them when they have von miller literally leading their defense every single week i mean that's all they really need (laughs) i love and hate von miller you have no clue 
I mean, when you're the one of the best like defensive ends out there, it's kind of yeah, I can see yeah. it. Like you would hate. To, okay, he's a player you hate to go up against, but you love to see play. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of where I'm at. Um, but anyway, let's let's go on to our picks for the week here. Um, that's it for my recap. Um, let's start out with the football team versus the Falcons. Washington, a one and a half point favorite. Hmm. I mean, can we just say that I was, I, I, I called them beating the Giants, but, <laughs> but, um, this one's a tough one. This one is a, is a tough one. I want, okay, you know what? I'm going to throw this out there and I think Washington will, um, get back on track after that loss to the Falcons. I think they're going to go two and two. I think Atlanta's going to go one and three, mm-hmm. but. If Washington can't keep on track, then I, I want to say Atlanta will, you know, put a good spanking on them. But I, I want to go Washington over Atlanta yeah. here. I'm just going to say about Washington and Buffalo last week, I think Washington still has a very good defense. But I will say that they are better off matching up against so-so teams. They ran into a buzzsaw last week when it came to Buffalo. Okay, they ran into a yeah, team. Look. They ran into a team that was high on their luck entering the game. They had high confidence. They they really lost the game when they entered the building. At the end of the day, um, I I I still don't think we can write off uh, Washington winning this division. And I'm just gonna say Heineke still puts them in the best situation to win. Therefore, I'm taking Washington in Week Four. Um, speaking of the Bills, the next game is the Buffalo Bills, and boy, if you could only see how much they're favorited by. Oh yeah, I heard um, that they're like favored by like sixteen points or something like up that. At, up at the by most one. They've been it's on. seventeen. No, seventeen point <sighs> favorites. Do we want to even make our pick on this one because we already? I think we both know who we're taking. I mean, come on now. You have a really top, like you have a top five defense going up against a rookie quarterback. Which, by the way, I don't know if you know about this. Apparently, he has the highest QBR of any rookie quarterback in the NFL right now. That's just insane. <laughs> we got that's, another. That's kind of sad. We got another Gardner Minshew on our hands. Except instead of the stash and the um, Uncle Rico lookingness, he's just got a big ass neck. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, he does. But oh, I'm 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 gonna have to go with the hometown, the the home the home team here. I, I'm gonna have to go with Buffalo, and who 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 knows? It could very well be an onslaught. But if there's any player that I'm worried about going off in this game, it's Brandon Cooks. The man is just a streaky player, no matter oh, what yeah. team he goes for. I agree. Can we I just agree. say that Brandon Cooks is underrated wide receiver in the NFL right now? Because no matter yeah. what team he goes on, he just finds success. Absolutely. You know, I I can agree with that. What what I will say here is about I I just want to say about the seventeen point favorites. I would have disagreed about this if Tyrod Taylor was the starter. Oh I, yeah, for I, sure. I, I would have said Tyrod <laughs> would sure. You know, I would have said this Tyrod game... would have gone into that game pissed off that he got replaced by 
the man who is currently the the yeah. starting quarterback going into the building that he played for for like what I think four years or something yeah. like that. I think it was there from twenty sixteen to no wait yeah twenty I think twenty fifteen to um. Yeah, 2017, I think. Yeah, 2015 yeah. to 2017. So I, I just want to say I'm not gonna write off. I, you're saying if Tyrod played, I wouldn't have written off Buffalo, or I wouldn't have been like so confident. I would have predicted Buffalo, but I wouldn't have been so confident in predicting them because I would have said, watch out for the upset. Here I can say with full confidence it's going to be Buffalo winning this game. Um, oh, yeah. We got ourselves a tank bowl on the next one here. Um, Duh, <laughs> Bears are going against the Lions. Uh, Chicago is a three-point favorite here. Uh, I don't know if I like how Chicago is getting the advantage over Detroit because, I'm sorry, I don't know if you I'm seeing it on NFL.com. Bears to start QB Justin Fields yep. with Dalton knee doubtful. Yep, that's what I read too. I'm just going to say this now. Detroit's going to get their first win against a crappy Chicago team. Um, Yeah, their defense is not like <laughs> Cleveland's whatsoever. But I think Jared Goff is going to go outshine Justin yep. Fields out there. So... I'm going with Detroit getting their yep. first win. And honestly, I think Detroit should have got their first yep. win already. I'm shocked they are 0-3. Mm-hmm. But they should I really too. do think that Jared Goff's going to ha- be like Jared mm-hmm. Goff out there in Pana Clinic in Chicago. They should be 1-2. and two. That I will say. I agree. Um, I agree. I'm going with Detroit as well. Um, Jared Goff has not won yet without Sean McVay. That's going to change this week. Um, that's what I will say. Um, next up, we got a battle undefeated, uh, Carolina Panthers facing off against the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas is somehow Mm -hmm. a four point favorite in this. Wow. I mean, I guess I can see it. This one I think is going to be like, if I could watch it, cause I, I I mean, I'll be at work. So will I. (laughs) And I'll, I'll actually be listening to the game because I'm going to be at um, <laughs> Darien Lake tomorrow. So I'll be listening to the game while also parking, while taking in cars. Mm. <laughs> I've done it before. So, <laughs> um, But I, if I could honestly watch this game as well as listen to the other game because I'm pretty sure it's going to be televised on, on, um, on oh, I think Fox, on Fox. Fox will televise yeah. it. They always love to um, televise. If I could watch this game, I definitely would. It's it, it really is tough for me to choose a victor in this one. This one is, I really think that it's going to be the top game of the week. Of course, we do have another top game of the week that we'll talk about in the later weeks, hmm. in the later um, time spot. Yeah. But if I had to go with anybody, I, I honestly think I'm going to go with the upset. I think I'm going to choose Dallas over Carolina. Mm-hmm. Only because they have a better overall team than Carolina does right now. See, Dallas, other than Diggs, doesn't have much of a defense right now. 
Um, I think that's a very safe assumption to make. I mean, Diggs is their whole defense at this Which point. is hilarious because uh, you have another Diggs that is, going, uh, is out there that's just yep. doing so, wonders. I'm, I'm going to go with the Panthers just because of the fact that it's, you know, again, as long as you don't throw it Diggs' way, you might have a shot of winning this game. Let's be fair. Dallas should be 1-2 as well because they should have lost to L.A. But the problem is, is that with Christian McCaffrey being out, you don't know how this hover guy is going to do. Yeah. You don't know if... And that's... I mean, he did all right coming in in for injured yeah. um, Christian McCaffrey, but you don't know that's how he's going to do against that Dallas, Dallas defense. Dallas mm-hmm. defense is a lot more than I give him credit for. That offense is also... Yeah. All right. They're not the best, but yeah. better than they have been. That's another um, thing, obviously. So, it, I really do think that this is going to be a game where De- Sam Darnold's kind of have to throw it a lot more than he's probably used to. Yeah. So, don't be shocked if um, Sam Darnold looks like Sam Darnold of old in this going, game. Going and back the Dallas to the just rocks his, rocks his day, honestly. Um, going, hate to say it. Going I mean, back to the Trubisky That's why I had question. to go with the upset here. Yep. Um, Colts, Dolphins. Dolphins, two and a half right now. Keep in mind, Tua will not be playing. Yep, it will be Jacoby Brissett going up against his former team. This is going to be interesting. I'm going to go with Miami. I really do think that Jacoby Brissett... Um, Came really close to beating the Raiders last week. Mm-hmm. I think this week he'll actually get the win. And who better to do it against his former team? Team that um he did it all right with. I think he went what seven and nine or six and ten or something like that with them yep. when he was the starting quarterback. Yeah. Um I hate to say it, I, I said it before. Jacoby Brissett just makes the most sense for a former Patriots um assistant turned head coach because they already have that you know they already have that chemistry together and apparently it, it's kind of working to um brian flores's standards yeah. and don't be shocked if like eventually with tua if he can't stay healthy if jacob if this is jacoby's Brissett's team going forward but i i, I just think that because of Indianapolis struggling, and I don't know if Carson Wentz is, you know, really healthy, healthy right now. Like, he, he might be, you know, he, he's going to be playing, but how much of it is, like, how much is he, like, 100% healthy? Are we going to see, like, we haven't really seen the Carson Wentz of old so far this year. Yeah. I think that's and, going to change. You think you're going Indianapolis? Yep, I'm going Indy here. Um, oh my goodness! <laughs> to be honest, be honest. I I like Brissett. It's going to be a close game, but I will say that I think Indy. If here's the thing, Carson once doesn't have to run here. He just has to protect himself. At the end of the day, and I think at, at the end of it, he's going to have Pittman downfield. I believe he's still got. You're saying I, I heard Mac might get traded. I don't know how true that is. 
Um, oh, yes, I did hear about that. So um, he's in the trade discussion. Um, he's got Jonathan Taylor in the backfield still that he can hand it off to. Honestly, they really should just get rid of him because he, he, he's not really getting much production yeah. on, you know, behind Naheem Hines and Jonathan Taylor. So, Oh, yeah. But anyway. And, and they're all three. All, all three of them are pretty good backs. So. Yeah. Alright, here we go. Browns, Vikings. Browns are only, only a one-point favorite in this matchup. Mm. I, that kind of makes a little bit of sense to me because Minnesota did shock me a little bit there in that, you know, in that win that they had. I honestly didn't think that they were going to beat, um, who did they beat? I think they beat Seattle, right? Yeah. I didn't yeah. think they were going to, honestly, I didn't think that Minnesota was going to beat Seattle. And, and speaking of Seattle, I'm shocked that they are 1-2 and two to start the season. It, it kind of shocks me. Cleveland, mm-hmm. after that game against Chicago, I think is finally getting the pieces put together. But don't be shocked if this ends up being an offensive battle between both of these teams. Because we've seen it. You know, last week we were with Minnesota, and Cleveland is definitely destined to do it. I think the mm-hmm. only thing that's going to be on Cleveland's side this week is just Miles Garrett is just hungry. Oh, yeah. So I, I'm going to go with Cleveland over Minnesota mm-hmm. in this game. I really do think that Miles Garrett is going to um, go off strong like he did last week. Don't be shocked if uh, Kirk Cousins has a very rough day having to deal with. Miles Garrett in his face a lot. Yep. I'm going to go Cleveland. Um, again, I think Cleveland's just the better team at the end of the day. Um, I'm not buying Minnesota yet. And also the other thing, will, Del- will Delvin Cook be playing is the other question, which we'll need an answer to. Um, but anyway, moving on here, do we even have to make a pick for these next three games that I'm going to list off? Do we even have to make a pick? At least two out of the three. Um, Giants, <laughs> Saints, Saints, seven-point favorites. I think we both know who we're going here. Oh, yeah, for sure, the Saints. Yep, Saints. We don't even have to explain it, so we'll just move on. Titans and Jets, Titans, six-point favorites. Keep in mind, no Julio Jones, no A.J. Brown, though. So maybe we'll get Ooh, to the good. Business. That means good things for my fantasy team because I have Derrick Henry, who is probably just gonna go off. Yeah. Don't be shocked if King Henry does go off, and I think he might have not one, not two, but maybe three or four touchdowns in that game. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's against a crappy Jets team, so don't be shocked. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure if I really saw the Jets are ranked thirtieth against the run right now so good luck Jets fans because when you had to deal with King Henry and he's known to throwing around uh, defenders with that nasty stiff arm of his don't be shocked if he ends up having like a 200 yard rush game and like a couple you know, like four touchdowns or something like that in this game because hate to say it it might just happen yeah they're going to feed Henry in this game, and I think they're going to give, you know, it's going to be a a sad taste in the Jets' mouth as they go 0-4. Uh, you know, I'm having a tough time picking this game. No Julio Jones, no Adrian Brown. 
Oh, man. Do I lean toward the Jets? No, I'm going to stay with the Tennessee Titans. I just had to lead you all on. Um, anyway, let's go on here. Chiefs and Eagles. The Chiefs on a two-game losing streak. Um, so are the Eagles, I believe. And the Chiefs are six and a half favorites as Andy Reid returns to Philadelphia. <sighs> this one's a tough one. Because, like, you just don't know who could go in there. Because Kansas City has had some offense struggles. I mean, don't get me wrong, Philadelphia definitely has too. Um, I'm going to give the edge to Kansas City. Hmm. I think six-point favorite seems a little fair in a sense. But I really do think that Kansas City will, I think, struggle to, to start out the gate, but don't be shocked in like the second half of the game if they get things going and it helps them win this game. But who, if you told me at the start of the season that Kansas City would have started off the year 2-2, two and two, I would have told you you're a freaking liar and a half. Yeah. But now to see them possibly go to 2-2, two and two, 500, in the first four games, just yeah. about, I'm like, wow, I'm shocked. I'm really shocked and awed. Yeah. Because in years past, they would have easily been three and zero, four and zero to start the year, but they go two and two. I'm just, oh, man. yeah, I, I just had to say, wow. Yep. Um, um, I'm gonna go Chiefs here. I. You know, I think they're going to put together such a convincing win that it's going to make everyone say they're back in the AFC hunt. And certainly back to riding Mahomes. Um, coattails. Coattails. Right. Yeah. yeah, thank you. I was about to go another direction. So <laughs> um, I didn't want to do that and then get in trouble later. So um, I think they'll have a convincing win. How's about this matchup? This may, you know, we're, there's a lot of hype about the later game, but this one might just be the game of the week here. Cardinals and Rams. Kyler Murray is leading everything in the passing categories. Matt Stafford's up there in the passing categories right now. But how are the Rams only four-point favor? or how are the Rams four-point favorites? Okay, can I just ask that question? How is this game not a one-point favorite? I'm not too sure. This one, I think, is definitely the game of the week. This one, by far, is the game of the week. Of course, you know, you know, Sunday Night Football, Brady returning. Could, too. But this one, for sure, that 405 game... It's definitely marked on my calendars that, like, I would have to either somehow watch it or listen to it. Of course, it's going to be tough because I'm, you know, going to that concert tomorrow. But I'm going to try my darndest to at least, you know, see, keep a close eye on the score and see how back and forth it is. But if I had to go with anything, I, both teams are built together offensively and defensively. So I think this is going to be a very low-scoring game. Yeah, a very, very low-scoring game. I think it's going to be a very defensive. That yeah. I think, I'm honestly, 
probably going to give the slight edge to the Rams over the Cardinals. Only in the mm-hmm. sense that, yes, Matt, yes, um, both quarterbacks have been tearing it off. Mm-hmm. But I really do think that Matthew Stafford has something more to prove than probably Kyler Murray does right now. Yeah, Matthew Stafford's been in the league for so many years. I think he's hungry for a Super Bowl. Kyler Murray is just just entered this is his second year in the league so i i right i think second year in the league or is this his third? third i can't remember okay it's just it's just third i still think that he has a hell of a lot more um you know left year wise matthew stafford is heading into his 13th year you know he, he kind of is in that like mentality I'm in this, you know, new city, new team, new system. Mm-hmm. I'm ready to, you know, have it be Super Bowl or bust type of year. Where Kyler Murray is probably like, hey, you know, I'm still young. I got you know, more, you know, time to grow and get there. Not saying that, you know, this year is a really good, you know, even a strong, like both of these quarterbacks are making strong cases that being in the MVP talks. So, yeah. I, I want to. I'm probably going to give the edge to the Rams. I just think that, you know, they kind of scream to have the better overall team right now than the Cardinals do. And yeah. I know that's tough for me to say because both teams are good. Here's here's so. here's the thing. Both teams. I'm going to try to be brief here. We're already running a little late, so um, I'm just going to be brief here. Um, you know, the Cardinals have a slightly less put together team than the uh, Rams. As you said, Um, I do think that they got a put together team, just not as much as Arizona. Can I just also say that I got Christian Kirk in fantasy this week? So this could be good in a paid league, not in our league, but um, so my edge goes to the Rams because they do have the home field advantage. So that I will say will play a factor um, and I'm also going to bounce off of what you said. You said that Kyler Murray, Matt Stafford are both in the MVP race. I'm saying they are both the front runners of the MVP race right now. Oh yeah. Okay. Without question, they're in their own league right now. As far as that goes. Um, we have another NFC West matchup and I'm going to tell you, I'm going to stick with my prediction that all four teams are making the playoffs despite the Seahawks being one and two. Um, Seahawks 49ers, 49ers with the two and a half favorite here. <sighs> um, I'm really thinking that after that, you know, loss to Green Bay, mm-hmm. San Fran's kind of showing that they really don't have it as together as they, as everybody thinks that they do. Because everybody thinks, oh, well, San Fran could you know, be in that Super Bowl discussion or close to that Super Bowl discussion. I don't think, I don't buy it for a damn minute. Yes, Seattle's struggling to start the season, but, you know, they might have the reverse where they str- they, they struggle to begin the season and then somehow go on a nice little run into the... Yeah. I think that's what's going to happen. I'm going to go with Seattle over San Fran yeah. only because, you know, Seattle doesn't, end up staying struggling forever. Yeah. It's also a new month. 
don't be shocked if October ends up being a lot more friendlier than Se- than September was for Seattle. So I'm going to go with Seattle over San Fran. Two here. teams. Two teams are having very uncharacteristic starts. One thing they have in common is they're both on the West Coast. Seattle, Kansas City. They're both the teams having the uncharacteristically bad starts. Here's the thing, though. I think only one of them is truly going to bounce back from this to win their division. Um, As of right now, I think Seattle will be a wild card in the playoffs. I'm standing by that prediction. Um, But I'm telling you, though, I think they're going to drop to 1-3 and here. I think the 49ers are going to win this game because they're upset that they gave Aaron Rodgers 37 seconds to drive down the field and win the game they're going to be upset about that so again i'm going to go san fran because they got something to prove this week and jimmy g has a lot to prove this season um right so i'm just gonna say this now before we do go to you know like next two sunday um games before the sunday night game yeah what is with kyle shanahan just giving people like too much time like you would think he would have learned from his past mistakes but clearly he has not to be honest though 37 seconds isn't a lot of time okay let's, it is let's, for it is for a man that has been in the nfl but, for quite some time but let's be fair he, it's not like he gave him a minute and 20 okay it's not like he gave him double that time so let's not I'm just saying, let's not jump it here and say that he didn't, you know, to be honest, this was just unfortunate. It's not up there with Detroit unfortunate, okay? It's not up there with Detroit-Baltimore unfortunate. That was just unbelievably bad luck for Detroit, (laughs) okay? This was just, like, unfortunate circumstance. I mean, you know... This is just unlucky coincidence. Oh, and but, by the way, about Justin Tucker, apparently he did it to Detroit yeah. in the past too. Yeah. Off of a game-winning field goal. Can I? But yeah. Speaking of Justin Tucker, that's actually the next game we got to predict. Uh, Ravens Broncos. Ravens are only a one-point favorite. They had the Broncos being in the ball. Okay, first off. <laughs> first off, this is their first team that's actually relevant that they're going up against, and they think that the Broncos are going to win? No. Let me tell you something. Baltimore is going to beat Denver. Yes, I get it that they had to deal with Vaughn Miller, and they had to deal with a pretty stocky defensive front yeah. in Denver. But... Lamar Jackson, I tell you, Lamar Jackson's having himself, like, he he's kind of proving that he can actually play quarterback this year, which is pretty scary, because, like, you know, Lamar for a couple of years there has been labeled as, oh, well, he's not really that passer, he's more of a runner. He's still not but, the greatest passer, though. I I get it, He he definitely isn't. That's the thing. But the thing is, don't be shocked if Baltimore does beat Denver in the ground. Don't be shocked if Lamar has over 100 yards rushing. I mean, shoot, I would have to if I'm running away from Von Miller. 
See, if we're going to go with... Here's the thing. Obviously, I just said I'm going with the Ravens because I agreed with you there. Um, But I will say that Lamar is kind of... I I wouldn't go as far to say he's a balanced quarterback. He's an iffy passer. He's a mid-tier passer as far as the quarterbacks go. He's the best scrambler of any of the quarterbacks. Right. But, again, he's mid-tier in the passing game. That's that's where I'll put him. Um, Anyway, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Green Bay Packers. Packers are six-point favorites. Um, Yeah. I think we know what way we're going here. Yeah, I definitely do. Especially with uh, Chase Claypool being out in that game against the Packers. I'm definitely going Packers over Pittsburgh. Hmm. Only because Pittsburgh is just on, again, just like one of those teams where you you scratch your head and like, what are they doing wrong? (laughs) Yeah. I agree. Uh, I really do think that Green Bay has finally found the answer that they've been looking for. And that I could finally be in that resurgence. Rodgers looks like he's actually caring to be there, caring to actually play. But how much of that could be also a big ruse, time will tell. But going in with Green Bay over Pittsburgh, I don't think there's any explanation of why that's going to happen. It just, yeah. Juju and TJ Water expected to play on Sunday, by the way. This was just a couple out, or this was Saturday night from Adam Schefter. Um, so I'm going to tell you right now, TJ Watt, when he's in, he's a okay. Now that's a now that's a little, that makes it a little yep. different. I could, I could tell you, if you're getting a fully ready to go TJ Watt, I could make an argument for Pittsburgh winning this game. However, they're going into Lambeau. Which is why I'm gonna go with Green Bay. Just by, I, I think six points is too generous to Green Bay. I'm gonna say three point favorites here. It may very well and come who down knows? It very well could be another um another game winning field goal from Mister uh, Mister Mason Crosby there. And can I just take a shot at my brother here for the Sunday night game? He thinks that. New England's going to get obliterated on Sunday. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. I I don't know if this is going to happen or not, but I guarantee you New England is going to have some kind of tribute for Tom Brady pregame. Okay, you have to. It's going to be the only time he's going to play in New England in his career on an opposing team. You have to give him something. They're going to butter him up. They're going to try to take advantage of it. I'm not making my pick yet. I'm just saying that they will probably do some kind of buttery, like soft gesture there. So, but anyway, Tampa Bay, New England, Tampa Bay is a seven point favorite. And I'm just going to also say this before I let you pick, this is going to be the most watched game, the most watched regular season game of the entire season. I don't even need to see the stories after the game. This will be, the number one watch game. Oh yeah, of course. It it would definitely have to be the most watched game. If it's not, that's an insult. Yeah, I uh, happen to say, I I just think that 
Mac Jones is just gonna look freaking. Uh, I'm just gonna, you know what? No, I'm, I'm not freaking. I think he's gonna fucking look uh, like the worst freaking quarterback ever mm-hmm. against Tampa Bay's defense. Like, he, you know, he, he's gonna look like Justin Fields out there. There, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it. he's gonna look like like one of the worst rookie quarterbacks ever in my mankind against Tampa Bay. So honestly, I'm in agreement with your your brother. I really do think that uh New England is just going to get obliterated. I think Tampa I think because of everything that's happened and if that those experts and that buck are true, I think Tom Brady's pissed off from also that loss to the Rams. Yep. I think he's pissed off about all the things that led to his potential um departure from uh, New England. I think he's going to go into this game and he w- he's going to want to put as many points on the board as he can. Even if it means he's already thrown like five, six, seven touchdowns, he's going to want to put up as many points against his former team as possible. I think he's pissed off and he wants to prove something to Belichick that I'm not a washed-up 44-year-old quarterback. I can still get the damn job done type of thing. Can I just point out that maybe Belichick knows things we don't know about Tom Brady, and he could very well expose them in this game? I mean, he very well could. His defense could very well expose them. It doesn't matter if he has Walmart cashiers lining up as linemen. He could still put together a top-10 defense with them. Um, I'm, I'm just going to say, don't write it fully as a new England win or I'm sorry, a Tampa Bay win because something tells me, here's the thing. I, I wouldn't be shocked if they get, if new England gets wiped out. I would also not be shocked if new England makes Tom Brady look foolish. Okay. I'm still going with Tampa Bay. But there's things that I I just want the answers to. And I think we'll be able to answer them next week when we do our recaps. Um, But, you know, again, I have so many questions entering this game. And I'm telling you, I I do not think that Mac Jones is going to look foolish. Because this Tampa Bay defense has a lot of work they got to do. And it's going to take a bye week to fix that. I mean, they, they look awful to start the season yeah but Mac Jones has only looked good against um not so good not you know so-so teams but he's a rookie I I will say this now Dolphins are definitely that so-so team the Jets are that so-so team but when New England went up against you know who they went up against last week and the Saints Mac Jones just couldn't get it together at all. I guess yeah. a really good defense. But he went so, against a really good defense coached by a really good coach in Sean Payton. Okay. That's the thing. When you have a good true. coach who's been in this business long enough to know what to do, you know, that's going to happen. Okay, if New England was playing Kansas City this year... There's no doubt that Steve Spagnolo's blitz would have taken out Mac Jones so many times this year. Um, sure. That much I will say. So you got to give Mac Jones a little break here. 
on that. Um, so again, I'm going Tampa, but here we go. The game that I took Monday night off for, um, <laughs> thanks, thanks to my boss, by the way. Thank you, bud, for the night off. Um, but anyway, LA, uh, Las Vegas Raiders versus the Los Angeles Chargers. The second game this weekend at SoFi Stadium. Um, LA is three-point favorites. Um, here we go. Keep in mind, this is Gus Bradley's return to L.A. I really do think this is going to be a, a hell of a lot closer game than they're thinking. Hmm. I know, you know, say what you will about, you know, the the Raiders, but um, I, I just think that the, the, the uh, things that they... I, I, okay, I will say this now. I will say that the Vegas Raiders are a hell of a lot more credible three and O team than the Broncos yeah. are. I, I will I'll, say I'm gonna say that I'm gonna say that right then and there. Here's the thing. I will say in a tier, they're in the second tier of undefeated teams. Okay. You've got LA and Arizona up here. You've got Las Vegas in the middle, then you've got the Broncos and the Panthers in tier three. Right now, you could make an argument for the Panthers in Tier 2. That I will say. Right. Um, but you can't make any... But I will... You can't make any sound argument for the Broncos being in the top tier, let alone the second tier. Nope. But I will say this now. Herbert looked really, really good against the Chiefs. I, mm. I wouldn't expect anything less... From him against the the, Raiders. Can I point out that the Chiefs have averaged about a 20th place defense probably in the last three to four years. They've shown very little signs of improvement outside of Tyron Matthew and Jones. Okay, so how much did he really show? True. True. Um, but anyway, True. I'll let you finish what you were saying. And then the, the the Vegas Raiders also, I mean, I don't know. I wouldn't say they had the, the mm-hmm. best defense in the world either. It's been mostly like their offense mm-hmm. just outshining. I mean, I, I don't even really say outshining. They just been, I guess, putting on a click. Derek Carter has been having a really good He's also leading the, the league in passing yards, too. Uh, among quarterbacks, which I think is crazy, but um, I mean, of course, you know, he, of the receivers that he has, you know, say Jones, Henry Ruggs the third, um, Hunter Renfro. I mean, even even um, the tight end there. I mean, he's he's got a pretty good offense around him, but the thing is, like. The Chargers also have a really good defense. Yeah, they there was probably some um you know, question marks there, you know the, the a couple of weeks, you know, here and there. But I'm I'm definitely going with the Chargers. I think it's gonna be a really close game. And honestly, I really do think that's gonna be an offensive, um a very high scoring offensive back and forth game. Mm-hmm. 
Don't be shocked if it leads into, like, whoever wins this game was the team that has the ball last type of thing. That's going to be this game, I think. Um, I, I think so. But I, I will say, as good as Justin Herbert has looked, he's made some pretty dumb decisions this year. Yeah. Okay. I, I won't it's a part of the lie. growing pains. I won't disagree. It's a part of the growing pains. I'll give him somewhat. I'll give him a very slight benefit of the doubt here. I will also say that Mike Williams is having a career year right now. Oh, Mike, of course. <laughs> Mike Williams is finally he is finally showing why he was a first round pick. Do I think he's better than Keenan Allen? By no stretch of the imagination is he better than Keenan Allen. Okay, Keenan Allen has proven thus far this year he is a top five receiver, and people better start recognizing that as true. Okay, it's so disrespectful how much he gets snubbed. So that that I will say. Um, but here's the issue, though. How much does Gus Bradley have on Justin Herbert that he can use in this game? Okay, that's that's the one thing that scares me because he's worked with this team for so long. He probably has pages of notes that he can use against Keenan Allen, against Mike Williams, and especially against Austin Eckler and Justin Herbert. Okay. True. Maybe not as big of a notebook on Justin Herbert as the other three. But if he can take those three out of the game, he can take Justin Herbert out of the game easily. Um, so, that said, the other thing is that the Chargers, it may not be this year, but they certainly have a no-fly zone right now because they've got Harris, Adderley, Derwin James, Asante Samuel. They've got four great defensive backs that just let's put it this way they got four defensive backs that could make up the best secondary in the league in the next year or two okay we could make that argument honestly because derwin james is a tough guy to beat out okay adderley is an okay safety he's mid-tier um, you've got Harris who's proven, you've got Chris Harris who's proven for years that he's a decent cornerback. And then you've got Asante Samuel out here diving for interceptions on Patrick Mahomes. Okay, so I, I'm going to lean, you're saying I'm going to lean toward the Raiders though. Because I'm worried about what Gus Bradley has up his sleeve. Because something tells me he's got some notes there. And something tells me he's been helping the offense a lot through this week's practice. Something tells me he's had a big involvement in this week's practices. And a bigger one than... Oh, I'm, I'm sure he has. And on top of it, something tells me that we're going to see some terrible officiating on Monday night. That'll screw <laughs> over LA. So... Something oh, tells, tells me when we're back here next Sunday, I will be screaming about the officials again. Um, yeah, probably. But anyway, we are well over an hour and a half this week, so let's just get on to Tinkle on this. Uh, or actually, shoot, we do have a Thursday night matchup. Let's make this quick, though, because it's also 11.51 at night when we're finishing this up. I got to get this rendered. Rams-Seahawks, the first great Thursday night matchup of the season. Um, Rams are point and a half favorite. Point and a half? Yep. Oh. 
1.5. Um, hmm. Yeah. I would go to the Rams or the Seahawks. Yeah, Rams. Um, it, yes, it would be tough for me to see, like, I'm going potentially 5-0 at the start of this year. But don't be shocked if they are if they do lose to the Cardinals and then on a short week, which would be tough, lose and then play a short week and then have to go up against another division. Yep. But don't be shocked if they do lose to the Cardinals, go on that short week, are pissed off, but don't have you know as much of a playbook short week. Go in yep. go against Seattle and, and beat them. I honestly think that that could happen. But don't be yep. shocked if they somehow go five and zero to start the year, All right. looking yep. real hot as a team. Oh yeah. But anyway, yeah, I'm gonna go Rams. Basically, what you said. Yeah. Um, just Definitely like Rams. said, I would elaborate, but we're on we're on a tight time schedule yeah. right now. So let's get on to tinkle on this. Um, Rick Touche. Um, he is one of the analysts of NHL on TNT. By the way, they had a pretty decent debut from what I heard. Um, Zach Carmine talked about it on Friday Night Tinkle. Go check that out. Um, he, I believe he'll be back this Friday night as well. Um, but Rick Touche, he uh, was practicing getting boarded against the walls, and he said, I wish the players would fight back, you know, kick him. And he lifted his back leg and kicked Liam McHugh in the nuts. By the way, I know I said earlier I miss Liam McHugh, and I can't stress this enough. TNT, man, why did you have to poach Liam McHugh? Um, you should have left him at NBC. Come on, he, he was great on Sunday Night Football. So, um, but anyway, um, Rick Touche kicks Liam McHugh in the nuts on the first NHL on TNT broadcast. Told the. Uh, told the fans I want to see players fight back after a cross check and that's when he kicked Liam McHugh in the nuts so for that tinkle on this Liam McHugh I don't know how much tinkling on that you're going to be doing after getting kicked in the nuts <laughs> um, but <laughs> thanks Zach Carmian for the idea this week it was kind of a tough week to pick one Yes, um, thank you, Zachy. Anyway, want to thank you for watching. Tune in Tuesday, Wednesday for our sh for our other shows. Tune in Friday for t um, Friday Night Tinkle, and we will see you back here on Sunday for um, Tinkle Sports Talk. Until then, guys. Goodbye, everyone.